With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, Dad, it's Friday afternoon at 3 p.m., and here we are, and you've got a wonderful show, God Coaching About God. So share with us what, what are we talking about today. I'm excited about having you here. I think I'm talking about God. That's my favorite subject, you know, because God is everything. Does, no, people don't realize that God is in, in everything. God created it all. He maintains it all, and he's coming back for us all those that are ready to be come back for. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, the, there's not a cloud in the sky. And I know that the Bible says that he'll return in the cloud. Well, there's not a cloud right now, but in the next few seconds it could be. And I hope he's in that cloud. But anyway, I'm going to talk wow. about God and what God created. Okay. Uh, back back uh, in the history of the time... There's a man called Echaniah. Nechaniah Say that again. Echa- Pardon me? Nechaniah. What is it called? Nechaniah? No, not, not the book was. There's a man called Echaniah. Echaniah. Okay. okay. I just want to make sure I heard that a right. Man. And he was married to a girl named Hannah. H-A-N-N-A-H. And he had another wife. And... uh Hannah and this other wife didn't get along well. She had children. Yeah. Her name was Paniah. And Hannah didn't have any children. So she persecuted Hannah. Laughed and joked about her. Because God, in that time that we're talking about, people realized that God created a woman to be have babies and to have a man-child who would find favor in their man. Echaniah wasn't like that. He he wanted children. And Paniah gave him all the children that he wanted. But uh, strangely enough, he loved Hannah twice as much as Paniah. And most people say, uh, who do you love the most? This, this child or this child or this child? And he said, oh, that's unfair. But somehow, the men separated it all, and Echaniah loved Hannah. But I hadn't had no children. So every year, Echaniah came up to worship God, or to sacrifice to God, with with his with his family. And the prophet Eli was the prophet's name. And every year he'd come up. Eli had two sons, Paniah and Pekavus. They were sinful guys. Hannah kept Hannah camped, came up with their husband, Jeremiah. But she had, he had she had no children. She wept because she prayed constantly for God and would not eat. And Hekaniah let her said to her, Hannah, why do you not weep? Do not you weep? I gave you twice as much as they gave Paniah. 
what's wrong with you? But she said, oh, honey, I'd like to... I like to eat and carry on and have a lot of time, fun and festivals. And, but I had no child. My womb is dry and God has not blessed me with a child. And so she prayed, constantly prayed, and said to God. Eli saw her praying that afternoon. And her heart was stirred so deeply that she was praying but moving her lips. But in, she was meeting no words. At the time, you know, a lot of women drank, and and Hannah was no exception. She drank and she took alcohol, but fortunately for her, she was in a time of mourning because she had no children. And she was sitting there in front of Eli, the prophet, the judge. She was moving her lips, but her voice was not coming in. So Eli said, well, she's just lays drunk. So he said to her, I said, you got good drinking. You're supposed to be here worshiping and sacrificing to God. So get out of here and go get yourself sober. And she answered me and I wow. said, "Go in peace." I want to. I want to. I want to work, but but you don't know how I feel. I feel so worthless because I have no children. And I realized that she wasn't drunk. And I said, "Well, listen." When you go home, you'll know Elkaniah, and he'll he'll come to you. And you'll have children. And she felt she felt refreshed because the prophet had said she would have children. Hannah said, well, "I'll tell you something. If I have a child, I'll give him up to you for you to raise. I'll provide the sources of." income for him but you give you give him to raise and I give him over to God under your care if he if God will give me a child that's strange no here's a lady that cried day and night mourned day and night for a child and she's willing to give that child up to Eli if she could be not be barren strange enough she went home. Her and uh, Ken and I got together. And lo and behold, she became pregnant. After all these years, she became pregnant. How old was she? Do you mind me asking? I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't there. I can't. I don't know how old she was. It was not a miracle birth or age, like Sarah and the other okay. people in the Bible. Ekaniah was not. Not of of any kind of age. She just was barren in her womb. She did not could not carry a child. And do what seems best to you, and wait until you have weaned him. But anyway, she had the child, and she said, "I would give him up and went to the Lord when I had this child." And Echaniah said, "Well, okay, honey, but this is your child. You don't have to do that." She said, "I know I don't." But she said, I'll give him up, and I'll provide for him. But no razor will come to his head. No anything can come to him, but I'll give him to the Lord. I know God will bless that. And that can I, I mean, Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is called exalted in the Lord. My mouth then cries in my enemy, because I rejoice 
and your salvation. So she was very grateful that she had a child. And she did exactly as she said she would do. She did give him to the to uh, Eli the prophet. Then Nicanai wow. went home to Ramah, and the order of was ministering to the Lord. And in the presence of Saudi, of the Eli the Christ. Now, she didn't give him up after until he was weaned. Eli, Echaniah went up the next year, but not with Hannah. But Hannah saved it and nursed the baby until he was born. I mean, until he was a weaned. Then she came up and gave him to Eli. And Eli took the child and raised him until he was a manhood, until he became a prophet himself. And the guy, the little guy's little kid's name was none other than Samuel. Samuel was a great prophet, a great judge. He was beyond rebuke. Everything he did, he did it for the Lord. And Eli was old. He had two, these two sons, and they were both evil. Now, how does a prophet is like today? You heard every God has got a joke about a preacher's kid. I'm a PK, preacher's kid. And some of them are sinful. A lot of them are. Some of them don't give a hoot about nothing. And this is the Eli's sons. They stole from the people. At the, at the time of, uh, wasn't it? They went to revel- I mean, revolutionize the, uh, or repent from their sins and have Eli pray of them. They would steal the meats. And they, they were just horrible. They, 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 forgive me for saying this they made love to the women that came up they could take advantage of their position they loved the women that came to the door and Israel was talking about them. but Eli was the judge and the prophet so he couldn't do much about it it's kind of like I don't know where you're at today but they had free reign and they took it they took liberties of young rebuke the Lord rejected rejected him and told Eli that he would take their life because he could not stand the evil they were doing. Well, anyway, they went on, they they sinned, they sinned, they sinned. And Samuel grew up, began to grow up. And he had a new robe constantly and Hannah made a new robe and brought it up, put it on Samuel. They all went to bed one night and is being taught by Eli. And Samuel went to sleep. God in his dream told him, I said, Samuel, Samuel, come here. And Eli took it, I mean, Samuel took it and said, Eli did this. So he rushed out of the room and into Samuel's room, and Eli's room. And Eli said, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed and go to sleep. Don't quit bothering me. So they went on back to bed. God called him again. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel got back ran to Eli. Eli said, Samuel, I didn't call you, son. I go back to sleep. Third time. Called him up. Eli got up. I mean, Samuel got up, ran to Eli. And Eli said, listen to the Lord. It's the Lord calling you. He's going to talk to you, Samuel. Samuel went away, came back, 
the next day. He lay until morning time when he opened his doors at the phone on the house of the Lord. The Samuel was afraid to go to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Well, I know that was the Lord calling you, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it he talked to you? Uh, Samuel was afraid to tell him because it was a disastrous news. Dude, I, do not hide it from me, Samuel. May God so to you and more if you hide anything from me put the kid on the spot wow Samuel told him everything he had been hid and they hid nothing Samuel told him God was going to take his two sons the police who attacked it was a horrible message Samuel grew up and the Lord was with him he let none of his words fall into the ground. And all Israel heard from Nehemiah. Know that Samuel was established a prophet. He's a young guy that God has set aside. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel and shot at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Well, the blessing came. And still, Israel was very, uh, like you all know, some of them were very central. They forgot all about their upbringing, their, their, their flight from Egypt. They forgot the forefather's providence. God told them that if you don't obey me, I'll put you to the wind and let the enemy overtake, overtake you. And that's what he did. But he came and captured the uh, ark. Ark of the Covenant. That's the most precious thing in the world to everyone of us. And it was precious. It still is precious. And by the way, it's here today. And the ark was was caught by the Philistines. The Philistines defeated Israel. And on and on and on. And on. By this time, Eli was old. I mean, really old. He didn't see well and everything else. And his two sons were there and they... They fought in the battle with the Philistines, and the Philistines killed them. So some, uh, one of the messages came back to Eli and said, you know, that we, have, we fled from the Philistines. The two children of your two, the Philistines won the battle, captured the ark, and your two sons are dead. Wow. As soon as he went, the ark of God, Eli fell over backwards and from his feet by the side of the gate, and, and his neck was broken, and he died. So there were two sons that had died in the battle. Eli died because he fell over backwards and broke his neck, and that was left with Samuel. But that was enough because Samuel was God's prophet now. And Samuel was a great man, a good man, and believing God and wanting God's guidance. And the Philistines brought the ark to their city. But they had heard about how God was with his holy ark, and misfortune fell upon them. And they cried out and wondered what they would do. Some of the prophets said, Well, here's what you do is you've got to get rid of the ark. It's God, and God is powerful. Well, are our God powerful? Yeah, they're powerful, but this, his God, our God, Jesus, 
Israelite God is God of everything that they said. Well, how, what we should do so we'll return to ark. How we do that? Because they like to kill us anyway. If we defeat them, but we have to return to ark to Israel and return the dead. And Samuel became a judge and a prophet. And Samuel said, all the house of Israel, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put your foreign gods away and the Astros from among you and direct some of your heart to God and serve him. Now see, you know, it's not what you do. Some people claim to know God. Some people act like they know God. Some people would do know God and finally live a holy life. And some people just flat deny it. There's coming a time in this earth, it's here now, when we should serve God. We should know that God is real. We don't. I guess starts with my Jewish friends. You know, I'm here among Jewish friends of mine. I live in one of their houses. They're very, very, very nice and pleasant to me. But they cannot accept Christ. They cannot accept God. One said to me, I probably said this to you before, said, what is this between a picture of Christ and Christ? There's a lot of difference, you say. Well, yeah, he was making a joke. And I said, politely listening. I didn't bust out to my name, call him my name, my name and everything. I just listened. He said, well, a picture, a picture of Christ is about one nail. It's three nails to the whole Christ. We thought that was funny. And there's a group of people around in the land. And I said, you know, one day, you have to live this life itself. You have to live this story, this joke. And you realize that the three nails that hung Christ is the most important thing in your life because he died for you. Now, let's stop right there. But that's the trouble with people today. They, they, they know God. Some, some believe in God. I hope. There's some that just make fun of God. Are you one of those kind? Can you be have bold enough to stand full of the world itself and talk about Christ? Christ is the most precious thing in the world. Christ died for you. He was holy without sin. He didn't have to do anything but live. God sent him down to the earth. He died on the cross after 33 years. It stripes all over him. He had criminal horns. He bled profusely on his side. He bled profusely on his face and his head. His back and his arms. He was in great pain. And they thrust the cross to him. They closed up the hill up to Golgotha. And we're going to bury you right there. So the Israelite leaders were rejoicing. He was a man that's full of pain. He was a man that did everything for God. And he was a man that was cheered and spit on, slapped in the face, crown of thorns, ropes. Pharaoh let him go. I mean, uh, Pilate let him go. And up the hill he trudged. Painful. There's a movie out there that shows that painfulness. People are so aghast at his pain. But I contend this, that always Christ was God, 
Christ was with God, in God, through God. A lot of people don't understand that, and I'll try one day to explain it to you, if I can. But, you know, there was Christ as he trudged up the hill, as they nailed him to the cross. He looked up, and God turned his back on his son. To me, that was the greatest pain that he could ever do, turn his back on his son. He died there, and he said, my God, and this is scriptural, very, very true. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You understand, you understand what I just said? My God, why have you forsaken me? To me, that had to be the greatest pain that Christ knew. Because Christ was God for an instantaneous moment. He was all man. He literally God. My God, why have you forsaken me? Well, anyway, let's get back to the story. But Christ was moved when he said, My God, why have you forsaken me? Have you forsaken God? Have you, do you live for God? Do you know what God is? Do you know what God does? God reveals all this stuff to you. It doesn't take a preacher or somebody like me to explain it. I don't explain it well. But there was God. There was God on the cross. Pain in his voice. Emotions beyond belief. He looked up and God just turned his back. Because God could not look at sin. Christ was all, everybody's sins in the world. All the sins of the world, to defeat the devil, to do it all, was thrown upon Christ. God could not look at Christ because he could not look at sin. And Christ said, as a man said, why have you forsaken me? Anyway, let's get back to Saul. And uh, Saul was, Samuel, I'm sorry. When Samuel was uh, pre- preaching and judging Israel, Israel cried for a king. Samuel said, you don't need a king. We have God. No, we don't have a king. we got to have a king. We have a king. We don't worry about the blessing. We can, we can win every battle. And they were constantly catered to uh, Samuel to, to give him a king. And Samuel said, no, God will be your king. Finally, Samuel agrees to a king. And he said, one the people always say they came forth and they asked him all kinds of questions. And there's one man came forth and he was head and shoulders above most men. He was a good looking guy. He was the, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to compare him to another guy, but he was a compare. He was a king. He looked like a king, he acted like a king, and he was a king. So Saul, I mean, Samuel said, okay, you want a king, here's one. Yep, God, God said, yep, that's the guy we have. And Samuel, the, uh, known them as king of Israel, now they had a king. The first thing he did to us, he defeated the Amor- Amorites in the battles. second thing he did is he defeated the Slissies in the battle. And on and on. He was a marvelous king. 
and the kingdom is renewed. The people were happy. The people said, people said to Samuel, this is it, it, it is it that them has said that shall Sahoyan over and bring us the more victories. And he did. He was a great man of God at that time, Saul. And he kept brought victory after victory to the, the Israelites. He became so powerful and wicked that he became self-centered. When God could set something on you, you become a favorite. You have all you ask for. Don't be sold out to yourself. Be sold out to God. Saul could not withhold himself. He constantly brought everything to him. In fact, he was supposed to do this and he was supposed to be with Samuel and to bless him. He took the blessing himself and performed the righteous ceremony in judging people. And God would not forgive him. God realized his pride was too high, too great. Your pride too great to serve God. Drive down the road and I see all these things happening and people cutting in and out, people rejoicing here and rejoicing there and, and drinking like a fish and denying God, except they well, proclaim God. You know, Sunday, that's the day of church. I don't go along with that, but I go along with the fact that it's a day of church. And I try to go to church. On Sunday, they'll be in church, and they'll say, amen, amen, amen. But they don't know what to say. They don't know what they're saying. They don't know who they're talking to. Well, Saul was like that. He did things that only the prophet Samuel should do. And Samuel warned him, said, you know, God's going to take care of you. God's going to take you out of here. They kept on going. God laid on Samuel's heart to go find the king to replace Saul. He did it quietly, without disruption. He let everybody know what he was doing. He came to Jesse, where that's David's father. And Jesse said, uh, I'd like to see the sons. I'm not one that is king. Jesse said, wow, one of my sons will be king over Israel. What about Saul? I'll take care of that. I want to know somebody. They went down. He went through the camp, went through where David was, David's father was, and he says, "It's all your son." Uh, yeah. No, I'm sorry. It's not all my sons. No, no, I have my youngest son, David. He's up in the mountains, and one of the mountains he can shoot. But he's just a young kid. He's only about. Uh, 14, 15. And Samuel said, let me see him. So they brought David down to the center of the camp. And Saul, I mean, uh, David, Samuel, looked at David, talked to him. And the Lord said to Samuel, said, this is my future king. Anoint him. So David was amazed. Samuel Saul took the oil, put it on his head, down his shoulders, and he whispered in his ear, said, you be the king of Israel. David said, I can't be the king. My oldest brother there is. He looked like a king. 
God said, I don't look at the man, I look at the heart. God looks at your heart, you know that, don't you? Do you look at God's wow. heart? Do you understand God? And David said, I will, sir, but I'm not worthy of anything. God knows your heart. And you recall David, and later later in his life, he wrote the Psalms, and he wrote so much, and he, he did a lot of sins, and he did a lot of good. But one thing you can say about David, God was with David, and David was with God, and David obeyed God. He did disobey him in sin, I certainly did, but he did to God. He asked for forgiveness for God. When you sin, do you ask forgiveness? First John one nine. First John one nine said, "If you confess and repent of your sin, he is required to forgive you." And that's who David was. Well, you know the story about David came to Saul. It was Saul's favorite, and he played his instrument before Saul. People said David kept defeating Goliath and so on and so forth. And many, many things he did. He became the pride of the people. But not by David. David didn't become pride. He took that pride in. But Saul couldn't stand it. He was a young guy, young kid. So much, he was so much bigger than David. And David was probably about, I don't know how big he was. But anyway, he was tiny. Not tiny, we had another mission. He's just an ordinary looking man. But he had the fear of God and the blessings of God on him. He said, You do have the blessings of God on you. God is there to save you, me, and the world if you will confess and repent and connect yourself to God. God wants a committed person. He don't want you to fear this person. He'll make you fearless. If you do what God says do, God will make you fearless. God is in control. God is everything. I'm going to leave it there. We'll carry it on another time. There's more about Samuel than I talk about. More about David. There's more about everything. But God is controlled. So be it. Wow. Love that. Thank you. That I I I know who David is. I but I didn't have the other names. They need to go pull some stuff out for spelling bee all these names. I was like, that's some, <laughs> that's some big names right there. Wow. Anyway, thank you. It's a great story. I appreciate that. So I have one question. Why did his father die? He broke his neck. What was the purpose of he that? Was, uh, it's time to die, but it was, uh, he was very old. And when he was told about both his sons had died, the ark was bound by blind over by the Philistines. He just in grief. He leaned forward in his chair, and his chair collapsed, and he, ro- and he rolled back into the net, and he broke his neck when he fell. Oh, just okay. All right. Okay. Well, that's, I, things, wondered, I wondered about that. I'm sorry? A lot of things happen. We try to make a miracle or something. It's just... Just life itself. Eli lost his eyesight. He was blind. He was restricted. His son, two sons were evil. Can you believe his two sons would make love to women when they came to worship the Lord there in the temple? That's not good. Eli didn't, 
It's it's awful. But God is here. God is in control. God will save you, keep you, talk to you as he does to you. He I'm talking about. And it's right. a blessing to have a daughter that God talks to. I hope he talks to you. God talks he's like a, a normal person. He talks to you quietly. If you listen and obey, he'll be with you forever. Yep, that's for sure. I, I God stopped me from doing something today. I tell you God did. I was like, Okay, you got it. So anyway, it doesn't really matter. I didn't do it. So I'm glad I didn't. But uh yeah, it's all good. Uh you get little tests, yeah. I think, sometimes, don't you, Dad? Do you ever get tested? Do we get tested by God, do you think? Almost every day in some kind of way he tests me. To know that I know that he is God and he's in control. And all I have to do is follow. You know, in school, you're given a lesson, and then you're given a test. A school. Well, God right. gives you a school. He gives you a test that teaches you a lesson. That's true. I, I agree with you on that one. Anyway, that's a whole conversation for another time, I think. But thank you for that. Anyway. Um, I will. We'll talk later. And uh, Dad, that was a great story. I appreciate it, and I know others will as well. And uh, it'll be on Facebook. I had a problem with Facebook posting it, so the uh, but the podcast you can always access it twenty four seven and share it with people. And uh, Dad, I'll talk to you later. And uh, everybody else, take care and have a good night. Bye, everybody. Good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.